There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Love the 80s? Then you'll love Virgin Radio 80s Plus. Chris Evans, love the 80s. Over on Virgin Radio, 80s Plus. Welcome to the show. Vassas is here. Hello, hi. Rachel's here. Greetings. And later on, Alan Fletcher from Neighbours is going to be here. Did you say Alan Fletcher? Did you mean Dr. Carl Kennedy? That's how he's best known to us Neighbours obsessives. I, like Vassos, used to watch Neighbours in my younger days. And it was, it was, I don't know if you would call it a good day or a bad day when you watched the episode twice at lunchtime and again at tea time. It, it was definitely an unproductive day, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes, but it was a happy day, Vassos. Hang were... on, hang on. You watched two episodes of Neighbours twice in the same day. Yes, it was on at lunchtime and it was on after news round. And it was the same episode? Yep. Yes. What did you do that for? Because but, you... I think Neighbours had very many hidden depths, layers of meaning. It really didn't. And you watched it twice to just really get those messages. I, was, I would be watching Neighbours for the second time thinking... What I'm even as a 19 year old student, <laughs> I think, what, what is happening? You were what thinking, am I doing? University is a great way to spend money. Time. I don't understand any of what either of you just said. I really, really enjoyed this episode. I watched it yesterday and oh, I brought me right back. I knew pretty much all of the cast. In that case, you can lead the charge on the interview. <laughs> Quite the twist at the end. Oh, I wasn't expecting that. I don't think we should say what it is. No, no but. There and is. Marissa from the OC is in it. Oh, I used, really the, I, used to, I used to love the OC. Did you, Chris? What was your favourite character uh, called? Oh, all of them. Yeah. Right, um, <laughs> Tom Kerridge is on the show today as well. Tell us about Tom Kerridge Vassar. He is everybody's favourite smiling chef with all the Michelin stars that you can shake a stick at. Um, five restaurants, ten cookbooks... 10 festivals and pretty much constantly on our telly in that smiling way of his. Everyone loves Tom Kerridge. He has a new book out and it is called Pub Kitchen, the ultimate modern British food Bible. And the first page I opened, the first it just, it just turned open to prawn cocktail. Oh, and, and I don't eat prawns anymore, but I, I wish I did because... Prawn cocktail, what an underrated dish. Prawn cocktail is Alex's favourite a starter of all time. Yeah, just I think you can't I disagree with that. See a steak with a prawn sauce in there. Listen, the, my favourite chapter is pies and roasts. No, I get that. Um, steam jam uh, sponge puddings. They look mm. ideal. Yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah. gonna say ideal. Uh, I think there's a steak in there with a prawn sauce. It's just amazing, isn't it? Um, yeah. The trouble is when we're looking through. Delicious there looking cookbooks no like this. Cheese, potato and onion pies. You can have that. Oh, yeah. Curried lentil oh. cottage pie. I love a have cheese, it. potato Having that. Pie. Having that. Mm. Right. What's the trouble? What's the problem? Well, we just we just sort of you go off into a sort of food... Dreamy. That's why people buy them. That's why they make them. That's why Tom writes oh, them. Wow. Lancashire hot pots. Lancashire hot pots with the fancy potatoes. You know the laid potatoes at the top Oh, there? yes. Sliced. 
Yeah, they call something. They're not just called slices. Slices of potatoes, that's what they call um, them in the industry. Gratin, dauphinoise, I don't know, I don't know. Boulanger. Um, we're just looking through a cookbook oh, on the radio now. deep dish apple pie. Yeah. Hokey Cokey news. All right, come on. We were wondering about the uh, origins of <laughs> the Hokey Cokey. Just in. Um, the Hokey Cokey, also known as the Hokey Pokey, in some parts of Australia, right. the United Kingdom and the Caribbean, is a uh, campfire song and participation dance with a distinctive accompanying tune and lyric <laughs> structure. Um, it, it's a British folk dance originally um, in 1826, but it reached its absolute zenith of popularity in the <laughs> 1940s and then the 80s when it was released and made it into the charts twice! <laughs> Twice. Well, don't be surprised. You watched Neighbours twice, twice and it was the same episode. (laughs) Vasos, this is so. This is such a special moment. Over to you now. Everybody needs our next guest. With a little understanding, we can find the perfect interview. He's back on our screens on Monday as Neighbours rises from the ashes on Amazon Freebie, and you just know Dr. Carl's going to get you. It's Alan Fletcher. Hey. Morning. Good morning. How are you, Al? Well, I'm wonderful to be here. I've got a wee bit of a cold. You I bet you that too. Doctor, heal thyself is what yeah, you're saying. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is, isn't it? Heal yeah. thyself. Let feed be thy medicine. And maybe a bit of supplementation, which we've just been talking about off the air. Indeed. Alan, this is a thing and a half, isn't it? Well, can you imagine what it was like when my boss turned up, said he wanted to give me a picture. He said, can I come to your place and give you a picture? So he turns up, sits down and says, we're back. I was I could not have believed it. I fell off my chair, then I stood up, said, I'm with you, I'm on. Right. So, yeah, it was amazing. Well, let's just rewind a bit. So, yeah. first, your first neighbour's um, uh, adventure experience tell us about that well the very back the very first time i played a mechanic called greg cooper for three weeks i had to play uh, this mechanic because the uh, the main mechanic had left a replacement mechanic was coming but kylie was the apprentice mechanic she needed the supervising mechanic so i got this delicious little three uh three week role and seven years later i came back as dr carl because of course it takes seven years to train as a doctor That's funny. Um, cool. So you you were there. You've you've sort of witnessed all the, the high points, haven't you? Yeah. And how many episodes did you end up um, appearing in before the break as as Doctor Carl? Before Doctor Carl, I think I was probably only in about nine episodes. And after Doctor Carl, about four thousand three hundred, I think. Episodes. Yeah. Something what like that. is that about? <laughs> oh my goodness! All right. So let's um, let's sort of uh, fast forward a bit. Um, from there, and we're still rewinding a bit from here. When did the um, storm clouds start to gather as far as, oh, this might not be going on for much longer? It was around the beginning of 2022. They were in negotiation. Fremantle Media were in negotiation with Channel 5 to get a new contract for Neighbours. Everything was looking fine. Everyone was still going, we, we think it'll be fine. We think it'll be fine. Channel 5 here or Channel 5 Channel there? 5 here. Right. And then we got a phone call on a Sunday night to say, the deal's fallen through. It's going to be leaked to media. Uh, we better let you know right now because you're probably going to hear it on the news. So then we all went to work the next day, had a huge meeting of about 200. There's 200 people work on the show, Chris. About 200 people, lots of tears, you can well imagine. And then we just picked ourselves up and said, okay, let's get on with it. Make this show the best it can be right through to the finish, which I, I think we did. People, people loved those last episodes. And then we all just evacuated the building. So how many apps were there to go on that Monday morning? I think we had about another two two months, probably another 
60 eps, I suppose. Wow, in two months you filmed yeah. that. I mean, that's incredible. And I've, I imagine there were then rewrites because you're thinking, let's go out with a bang. There was. Uh, our wonderful executive producer, Jason Herbison, who's been writing on Neighbours, has been doing everything on Neighbours almost since the beginning. He crafted the last episodes, very, very special last episodes. And universally they've been loved five and a half million brits watched the last episode cumulatively yeah. cumulatively um watched that last episode and uh, i hope they come back <laughs> yeah you, this is what we need it's monday isn't it okay yeah. amazon uh free v is where you need to be amazon free v monday the 18th of september episodes daily monday through thursday um and then what happened well then uh, so i think it was around about well first i came over here and did a show called the doctor will see you now and i toured it around for four weeks (laughs) and of course i had to put up with the fact that we did meet and greets and people were just gutted i can't begin to tell you the outpouring of grief chris their neighbors isn't a tv show it's part of people's lives they talk about the fact they sit down to watch it with their mum their grandma they've been watching it since they were three years old that sort of thing so it's a way of life so they were genuinely gutted. And then my boss turns up and says, we're back. Then they had to rebuild the show. And rebuilding a show like Neighbours is like getting the Queen Mary out of dry dock. You yeah, know, it's massive. So, so the show had finished. It had wrapped up. You didn't totally. find out this news before the last app bro- no, bro- was, was all broadcast. No, it was all done and dusted. Everyone what was the timeline here? I think we're talking, I think we filmed our last episodes in June. And I think it was about late October right. that we found out we'd been picked up. This never happens. No. The, in the history of show business, Hollywood, whatever you like, ITV, Channel 9 in Australia, wherever, this never happens. Except on Neighbours because we were actually <laughs> dumped by Channel 7 back in 1985 or <laughs> You've 6. You've been there before. Been there before. Oh, no. And then Channel 10 came along and picked it up. It's a Neighbours thing. It's a Neighbours thing. We are, yeah, Lazarus and whatever, rising from the ashes. So what? So so then you phoned your pals. you like, I mean, was there a, a priority, a pecking order, a hierarchy of people who who was told or does that not matter or only what? four of us knew top secret went and recorded some videos to promote the new one yes. and all of our mates are on a whatsapp message going has anybody heard anything we're hearing rumors has anybody heard? and we had to stay silent nightmare and then of course we we announced and um a lot of us have come back a lot of the, the characters have returned a lot of the favorites have returned but we've also got this fabulous brace of new people new crew the sets have been revitalized there's an irony here, a spectacular irony. Because Neighbours finished, it gave us pause. It gave us time to sit back and say, okay, if we came back, how can we make it better? Yep. And it's going to be a lot better. It is different. It's I mean, different. we all watched it last night. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't see that many episodes of Neighbours in the first place. You know, I've got to fess up. These two used to watch the same episode uh, twice a day, as, lo- as lots of students did. Yeah. I'm sure you're aware of that yeah, phenomenon. Yeah, yeah. They used to gauge how busy they were at college or university by whether or not they got to watch the same episode twice a day. I still can't get my head around that, but apparently <laughs> it's a thing. Um, Rachel. What is your favourite scene that you've been in in Neighbours? Ever. The- yeah, wow. ever. Okay. Well, normally you couldn't answer that. Um, <laughs> the second favourite was marrying Susan Kennedy on the Thames. Right, that was fabulous. My favourite was when Carl lost a scratch it ticket worth seven thousand dollars, and to find it, he had to nude up in Toadie's house because Toadie was having a naturalist lunch, and Toadie and Carl found his ticket stuck to Toadie's backside. By far the funniest and 
most incredible scene I've ever filmed. What did he do with the seven grand? Oh, well, Carl would have banked it. He, Carl is a miser. He just doesn't want to spend sensible. money. Is he careful? He's very careful. He's very careful. That's us. It's amazing, isn't it? Because I, I watched the last episode because, I, as, as Chris mentioned, I used to watch it as a student. I remember my dad saying to me, why do you watch this Neighbours? And as I was watching yesterday's episode or the one that we got sent, I was thinking, if only my dad knew. I'm now watching Neighbours for work. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> That's but, uh, you know, all, all I could think of was that, you know, like I, I started, and I think, I don't, I don't know what's happening. I don't know who those those people are, who, 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 who the new characters. And then by about halfway through the first episode, I was completely up to speed. Neighbours is very good like that, isn't it? It is. You know what? I reckon if you turned on the new Neighbours next Monday, having never watched it in your life, you would have absolutely no trouble falling in love with the show. Yeah. Uh, and everything would make perfect sense. We ki- we know we kick off the show with a big wedding. We know there's a big twist involved. We get to meet some of our new characters. It's from the get-go. Misha Barton turns up from the OC and there's a bit of naughtiness goes on with her. From the get-go, the ball kicked we're playing flat out and yeah, people yeah. are going to love it and what is amazon's commitment going forward i believe it's i think it's about two years at least right so that's that's lots and lots of episodes oh, again yeah, yeah. off we go again it's uh, in totally. the hundreds already oh yes totally okay so you so you know where you're going for the next couple of years when you leave the house in the morning yes uh, right so amazon um you know, Amazon is a global thing. So we used to have, as I say, we used to have terrestrial channels, then we have satellite channels, then we have digital channels. Now we have this super, these super TV channels. So you've got your, your Amazons and you've got your Apples and you've got your Prime Video and you've got your uh, Amazon Freebie and you've got your Disney Plus. These are super TV. So now we are one world, really, aren't we, yeah. with the TV. Does that change things? Have you Are you in more territories, less territories? Well, the brilliant thing is Amazon, of course, will now show neighbours in the United States on right on freebie and and Canada and I think this is a sort of show which actually will excite quite a lot of interest from you know a sector of the American and Canadian uh, Canadian population because people from overseas love neighbors because it's representative of a, of a country they kind of don't know but do know you know what I mean everyone there's no kangaroos jumping around on the street at Ramsey Street but it's still Australia and people have a fascination for Australia has there ever been a kangaroo we have had kangaroos on, on neighbours, <laughs> yes. You have? Uh, we've had almost every animal known to mankind on Okay, good, cool, that's cool. Um, it's interesting because yesterday the new iPhone was launched. So every year Apple have their launch um, event. I don't know what it's called, but it's called something I can't remember. And yesterday they launched the iOS 15, the mm-hmm. brand new iPhone. Their share price went down yesterday. Amazon's went up. Ah. Isn't that interesting? You know, I think you've out iPhone, the iPhone with the neighbors. Because <laughs> that's all this all this changed this week is that if, as far as I can see without the Amazon news, is that neighbors is back. Share price has <laughs> rocketed. Well, it's the highest it's been since COVID. Oh, this I'll, week. I'll take that. I'll take that. That's that, right, no, that's will. fantastic. No, you can well appreciate the fact that Amazon stepped in and saved the programmers. They said Who was we, the fan? Who's the fan? Sorry? Who was the fan? Because there has to be a fan. Well, there is actually the head of Amazon here in the UK saw, she said to us, we, I saw the outpouring of grief. I saw the five and a half million people watching the show. I saw the petitions, the Facebook posts, all that. And that's where she actually took it to the bosses and said, I think we should have a really good look at this program. It's got life in it. And uh, yeah. It's interesting because there's a credo in entertainment. There's many credos. Here's another one. There's a credo in entertainment that anybody who works in entertainment, anyone, regardless of what they do, ultimately they're in sales because that's what has to drive the 
Oh, absolutely. And, you know, Neighbours is very cognizant of that. Neighbours listens to its audience. That's yeah. why it survives so long. And uh, we will always be listening to our audience. Our audience are an integral part of the show. You're such a, a spokesperson, a cheerleader, understandably for Neighbours, but it feels like you're more than just an actor in it. Oh, totally. I'm completely invested in the program. I mean, I've been there 28 years. I've made it my life. Uh, it's given me so much. That's the thing, Chris. I... I, I spent half my life here playing music doing shows and so forth and that's all because of neighbors wow do you know the story about michael grade and neighbors it, no I don't. so michael grade used to be in charge of the BBC. oh of course yes do you yes. know this do you know the story vaguely yeah uh, so do you know what happened with neighbors and him so this is this is how um neighbors uh, um broke through here exploded here so his daughter was ill and he was in charge of the BBC and he'd bought Neighbours. He right. was, he'd signed the cheque on behalf of the BBC. So it was on him, right? So he'd bought Neighbours and Neighbours started playing it, uh, around mid-afternoon. That's right. Just p- post-lunch time. And it was doing okay, but it wasn't what he wanted it to be. And he was a good friend of Reg Grundy, who's another TV genius. And, you know, he got together and they both said, yeah, this is going to work in the UK. This is going to rewrite daytime television for the BBC and therefore for the UK audience. So they put it on post lunchtime and it didn't catch fire. And then his daughter was ill for a week and she was off school and she started watching Neighbours and she loved it. And she said, Dad, you've got to put this on at tea time because my friends would love this. Ah. So he's repeated it at tea time. Then he got 17 million viewers and that's how it happened. Amazing. Amazing. Well, I did hear that a lot of university lecturers actually banned lectures at the time Neighbours was on in the middle of the day no because no one would go <laughs> to the lectures. And certainly uh, there was reports of t- pupils skiving off school to go to watch Neighbours, which was why a 7.30 or 7.15, whatever it was, yeah. screening made sense. Were, were, were there any standout episodes that, as far as the world of I mean there are many of course Binder's dream yeah so oh. so I mean if the if you had to to name three and put them up and for, to an, uh, the aliens have landed yep uh, what is neighbours and you have to put three episodes up you go well this is neighbours sure which, which well you'd have to go you'd have to say Kylie and Jason's wedding it would be churlish not to I think 19 million Brits watched it it was incredible um, one of my favourite episodes one of the sort of landmark episodes is Harold Bishop coming back to neighbours yes. having been lost at sea <laughs> presumed dead for what 10 years I mean, was it was it? for ages it was and for then he turned up on a beach and suddenly his ex-wife well his wife still married sees him in a Salvation Army's uh, you know disposal store uh, beautiful so I was actually there for that scene it was absolutely beautiful and the other a huge landmark would have to, you'd have to pick a disaster wouldn't you you'd have to pick one of the big disasters like the the, the fire at Lassiter's I think when they burnt down Lou's place yeah. it was huge and someone died in the fire because the reason that was important it signified the return of one Paul Robinson back to Neighbours wow um, loads of texts Alison from Home Agree my children were Neighbours fans but the best thing about it was that it appealed to every generation back in 2004 my aunt then 74 and I did the Neighbours tour we met Alan he was so lovely thanks Alan oh brilliant thank you so much and I hope you're going to be watching on Monday we'll, uh, don't forget to message me if you like it do you want to sign that text and we'll send it back to I'd her? love to we did that that'd be yeah. fun wouldn't it beautiful there you go Alan bless you Good you, on do, you, Chris. you do seem like an extremely nice human being by the way you can tell can't you uh, happy Wednesday because the gang wow 
Dr. Carl's on the radio. <laughs> I'm so happy to hear that Neighbours is back. I watched them through my student days and had to get my family to bring me recordings when we emigrated. Then I picked it back up when we returned. I was totally discombobulated when it finished. Still have the final episode on my TV. So this is the best news. I cannot wait, Denise, in wisdom. Do you feel the same? I do. So I watched Neighbours the whole way through school. And then at university, it was literally appointment to view in the common room. We'd all go and watch it at lunchtime. And you might again also watch it at half past five. And, and yeah, and I stopped watching it. It's yeah. in the last maybe 10, 15 years. But I watched this first episode yesterday and I was just right back there. Yeah. And it's because it's been going for so long. It's got such heritage. And it has like, it has these ridiculous, fun, crazy episodes at time. Like Bouncer was this dog who I think got replaced about five times. But he had this crazy dream episode. Yes. Totally he was replaced surreal. five times? Well, I think he must have been, mustn't he? We've had a couple, we had a couple of parrots as well. Yeah, there's a, there are <laughs> doubles sometimes. There's a neighbour's menagerie to be, to be investigated here. Indeed. Which is, uh... But why do you think so many... A-list Hollywood actors, you know, like Margot Robbie, Russell Crowe, and we've got Kylie and Jason and Mike Pierce. Why is Neighbours such a platform, such a launch for that, these people? You know what, well, that's a great question. And Greta Gerwig, who did uh, Barbie, as you know, she said, she was talking about Margot in an interview, and she said Margot was astounding because she's across every area of filmmaking. She seems to understand everything. And when you work on Neighbours, it's the best school you'll ever go to. Because on Neighbours, you do learn how to help the sound department. You learn how to help the lighting department and the camera so department. True. You learn so about true. scripting. So you walk out of there very, very polished, and a lot of the actors who come out of there just go straight to the top. It's wonderful. It's yeah. That's bang on. That's a great, a great question, great answer. Can I just chime in with a bit? Go for so it. So we did a breakfast show on TV called The Big Breakfast. We did it for two hours a day, five oh, yes. days a week, yeah. live, live. I think you came on. Yeah. And, um, and I just learned so much about TV because you had to. Yeah. You know, I was the host, but I think I operated the cameras maybe 20 times in the three years that I was on it. And you go into the mixing desk and you do some sort of post-production and somebody doesn't turn up at the weekend and you have to do a bit of that. Yeah, yeah. And you did, it's great, isn't it? It's wonderful. Oh, it's all hands on deck. I love all that. Best training you can have. That's why being a runner, you know, around any business is really... Um, important because people say oh isn't it slave labour no, well it's not really you pay for the education because you get to do everything Chris we've got people on our show who are producers now who are runners when I started well there are, I know people who have in commissioning positions perhaps to do with neighbours in the past who were runners on the big breakfast that I used to work yeah. and they became commissioners of the channel yep. you know yep Hi, Chris. My son, who's now 30, started watching Neighbours in his teens and I'd get annoyed as it was all he'd talk about. Then I'd start watching it and fell in love with it too because it was a great show, says Claire. <laughs> this is lovely. Jenny from Wolverton Common. I recall when UK Gold came on stream in 1992 and they started showing Neighbours from the beginning. I hadn't seen it before, but I was on maternity leave and I watched Neighbours four times a day. Can I just say, it is perfect for breastfeeding. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Wonderful. You get all that, don't you? Well, as the TV doctor on Neighbours, I will now prescribe <laughs> Neighbours for that. What have you learned? How useful could you be in an emergency situation um, no, learning what you have done as a doctor in oh, the acting world? I, well, I'd, I'd, I'd just run, run and hide because, you know, I would do damage. Oh, come on, you must have picked up a few things. I know how to say angioblastic T-cell lymphoma and that's it. That's it. That could be, that could come in handy. No, at some you do point. you do pick up a bit. I mean, you know, recovery. I know what the recovery position yeah. is and everything, but I think I would leave it to the professionals. All right, you have come in here because you're in a band. You've played as well, haven't you? Yeah. yeah. Uh, tell us about the band you've been in for ages. Well, I actually I've, I've moved across into Americana country music these days, and I toured March this year with that with that music. So I've got you know, Alan Fletcher is my kind of band. The, yeah. the boys are playing with me, and the, my wife plays with me on, on keyboards. It's beautiful, and so. Uh, 
uh, years ago, I was. I also wrote some novelty songs about about neighbours, yes. which uh, I thought I'll, I'll re-record these more in the Americana style. Right. Uh, and uh, yeah, I just released one of them called the Cr- "I've Got a Crush on Susie K." Uh, and there's "Sleeping Alongside of Susan," which is the old Smokey song. Got it. Living next door to Alice. So I like to have a bit of fun, and uh, I've pulled together all my fun songs and put them onto one CD. Right. Um, yeah, just just to uh, to give people an opportunity to pick them up if they like. Well, I want to thank you for coming in. Okay, so free V on Monday. Neighbours is back, back, back for you at bet. least years. A couple of hundred brand new episodes minimum. You bet. Who knows? Alan has been here this morning. You've been a great guest, Alan. Thank you so much. Pleasure. Um, good luck with everything. I know you're talking to everybody. Everybody wants to talk to you. Why wouldn't they? Uh, and we're going to just finish this particular um, excerpt with a little taste of Crush on Susie K from Alan Fletcher. Here we go. Because I've got a crush on Susie K. Oh, you're the best. You're the best, man. Good luck with that cold of yours. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Big intro time from Vassos Alexander. What do you get if you cross 11 cookbooks, five restaurants, three Michelin stars, most of the shows on your telly, and a great big West Country grin? Our next guest is what you get. His latest cookbook, Pub Kitchen, is out tomorrow. So please welcome Marlowe's finest, sorry, second finest, <laughs> Tom Carriage. Actually, you could have carried on with that, to be honest. Well, well done, Chief. You got out of a, I heard the reversing like so. I'm not the first, clearly. Um, there's a few ahead of me. Tom's got to be up the top there. How are you, Tom? I'm very well, thank you, guys. I'm all good. I'm all good. Pub kitchen. Pub kitchen. Pub kitchen. Let's again. Pub kitchen. Pub kitchen. Excellent. Good. Uh, so, great book again. Uh, t- good enough to eat the book. Seriously. Thank you. How pubs have changed the way we eat. Please, let's discuss. Yeah, well, this, so the Pub Kitchen is out now and it's 10 years, kind of, it's the 11th book, but it's 10 years since the first cookbook came out. And the first cookbook was proper pub food. It was kind of, I just won Great British Menu and I, I got asked to do it. 10 years d- ago. I know, I know. Well, it's longer than that, actually. So, I did, 2010 was the last oh Great British gosh. Menu that I won. And then the BBC said, well, you do a TV show about doing some pub food and whatever else and we did a book with it and it was a, and it was just kind of this lovely celebration of British food at that point and it was very wholesome and warm and cosy and everything that great British food was and then so this is a revisit of 10 years later of how British 
and pub food has changed and how it's changed in our world and our society. And you think we're such a wonderfully culturally rich, diverse nation of foods. And we're like food magpies. We take loads of things. We'll yeah. understand. And the food scene in British pubs has changed and developed and massively grown. And you will expect pretty much, we're very lucky in Marlow and in the surrounding areas, but pubs close by, you could go and have lunch and you expect now to have something that's quite decent, you know, whether it's something, whether it's a nice sandwich or whether it's a burger. And it or whether has it's to a, be for the pub to yeah, survive. Yeah, exactly. And you go, but before pubs used to just be stuff out of the freezer or whatever. And But also now, pub food has moved beyond like bone marrow on toast or, or um, you know, roast beef and Yorkshire pudding. It's now incredibly diverse. And it's the only restaurant situation in the world where you could go to and have like a Korean barbecued mackerel dish followed by a Sri Lankan style prawn curry, then sticky toffee pudding. Like these, all the foods from around the world and think it's perfectly normal and there's nothing wrong with it. And you just sit there and go, dinner was amazing. Like you wouldn't, in France, you wouldn't have that. In Italy, you wouldn't have that. And there's nowhere else in the world where you can put that wonderful collection of foods together and have a three course meal that's just made up of it with great produce. Yeah, no, you're so right. And straight off the bat, here we go. Look, page 22, barely into double figures, mini soda breads with truffle honey butter. I mean, come on. I could live on that for the rest of my yeah. life. And dead easy to make. Tell These me, are all tell recipes. Us a little bit dead about easy. That. Come on. So the soda bread, I mean, it's again, that's something, it's, it's basically wholemeal flour, flour mixed together, bicarbonate soda, buttermilk mixed together, shaped, baked in the oven. It's, it's like, it's a bread that you haven't got to worry about it's a non-proving one it grows it bakes in the oven it's very very simple or the dishes in here they're all <laughs> so about they're, they're all about cooking they can cook it up they're the sort of dishes that you want in a local pub that could be run by two or three guys in a kitchen that's nice and busy and you just get great food but it's also these are dishes you can do at home love it um sausage rolls are brilliant generally i think a vegan vegetarian uh you know full fat for me, it doesn't matter. But the word mini just before makes them better for me. <laughs> more fun. I, you I would, have more. I'd rather have a mini pork sausage roll than a giant pork sausage roll. Yeah, but I would have five of the minis. Exactly. And I wouldn't feel bad about it. By the way, there are mini sausage rolls and there are these mini sausage rolls. Oh. What about what about the um, meat to pastry issue? Obviously, the more meat in a sausage roll, um, the longer you can cook it and need to cook it, and therefore the pastry keeps up with that. I mean, basically, they're mini beef Wellingtons in a way. You've got to get yep. that, that. They've got to get the maths right here. You've you? got to get the maths right. But the thing, it's a little bit more forgiving than a beef Wellington because you you want to cook it for longer, right? Because there's nothing worse than a soggy pastry sausage roll if you crisp it bake it for ages and the pastry goes really crisp and crunchy on the bottom that's what you want but you're not going to overput the, the, overcook the pork sausage meat beef wellington get the pastry yeah, yeah, yeah. like it's very very difficult sausage so rolls scary. dead easy just but but the pastry yeah I'm, i get it you know you want to get that perfect balance one of my favorite things in the world is stuffed courgettes I've never even thought about making them at home. I just thought it wasn't allowed. I thought it was like illegal. You get arrested or something like that. But you can. Stuff courgette flowers. Here we go. Perfect. Yeah, and just, I mean, just right now, this time of year, courgettes are still about, the flowers are still about, stuff them, little bit of very, very simple batter, deep fry them, really, really easy, super tasty, quick. Courgette, I mean, they're lush, raw, they're, the they're just cooked. They're the best. They are the best. Page 76, a few pages on tempura cod with Asian dipping sauce. Would it be the same batter mix or not? No, they're all slightly different, but you could use the same batter. Yeah, you could use that one's a slightly more tempura, lighter one. How do you but, do that? How do you get a light batter? 
Well, it all varies. Some of it's using fizzy water. Some of it's using bicarbonate soda. Some of it's using beer. Some of it's using some of it's using like a yeast one that grows in there thick, and then you can like drizzle it on the top. Some of it you can put through a siphon gun and aerate it. There's, I mean, there's loads of different fizzy ways. Water. You're, you raised an eyebrow there. You fizzy water. Yeah, fizzy water. Yeah. In, your, fizzy in your butter. Yeah, absolutely. Ice cold fizzy water with bicarbonate soda, self raising flour. That's a very very simple clean one, and it's a very light batter. That's like a tempura style one. Then that's yeah, that's exactly what you use. If you're only allowed one pie ever again for the rest of your life, yeah. what's your favourite pie? Oh, it's got to be steak, and it? it's got to be steak and ale. Steak like, and ale. I, I think so. I just think short one... crust or puff pastry. Well. I, well, I would, I would, I would use actually, I would use a hot water pastry. So you know, a little bit like a pork pie pastry. So it bakes, it's got that crispness on the outside, a little bit and it meaty goes all the way under, the middle, but hot. So a hot, hot water paste baked fresh out of the oven with uh, beef and ale filling, steak and ale filling. That's probably if you could have one pie for the rest of your life, that would probably I, I be my first choice. Could, yeah, I, I mean, could live on shortcrust pastry with the one you just said. You know, you know, and also I know you don't eat meat anymore, Vas, but any of those pastries, you know, made with a vegan butter or whatever instead of uh, animal fat butter, dipped in a vegan gravy, oh, yeah, you're done, done, aren't you? And well, before I went vegetarian, uh-huh. I went through a little phase of if I saw a prawn cocktail on the menu, I'd have the prawn cocktail to start because you I'd knew, have, yeah, because you knew where you were going. Um, maybe, and then I'd have and then I'd have whatever I had for my main course, and then for pudding, I'd have a prawn cocktail again. <laughs> and that's uh, <laughs> strong. I mean, it's punchy. I mean, it's a, yeah. I mean, weird. Well, that's a given. The first, the first page I opened in your book was your prawn cocktail, and yes. it took me back to those heady days. And I thought, well, if I ever stop being vegetarian, I'm going to have prawn cocktail for starter and pudding. Do I need to get the book reprinted and have it put in the dessert section? Yeah. Why do we need a recipe for prawn cocktail? It's about making the Mary Rose sauce. It's about the level to the, the, the difference of how to put it together. I mean, it's ve- it is very, very simple. That's the whole point of this. It's quite simple. It, it's just self-explanatory and it's exciting. It's about using good produce as well. Have I seen, and I'm not leafing now because I, I read this at home last night. I flicked through it last night at home in the kitchen. Did I see, or have I imagined it? Was I too tired? Have I not had enough sleep? What's going on with me? Uh, am I misguided? Am I misthinking in thinking, recalling that you had a steak with a prawn sauce? No, I think you might be misguided. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be in the next one. About it all morning I, 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 and there's this steak I, with a prawn sauce. Oh, and no, oh, no, no, no. Is that the lobster coming out of the pie? No, there's a, there's a steak in here with a, a my, funky sauce, man. Uh, uh, there's a, like uh, a Welsh rarebit steak. Oh, yeah, there's the Welsh anyway, rarebit one. Let's move on. I'll, I'll have a look for that in a second or two. Yeah. And, answer this question, Tom. Right? Yes. So we are an extremely old nation, Yeah. Yeah. As far, you know, uh, there are other nations in the world. Eckhart Tolle talks about this, you know, because you, if you're older, you have a bigger pain body. If your nation is older, if your land is older, if your people are older, it just has a bigger pain body because it's been around for longer. You get off in countries that are younger themselves and you f- it feels lighter. They may have their issues, maybe more serious than ours, in the, you know, in, here in the now. But there's a definitely a, a lightness about it. How come younger cultures than ours seem to have more steadfast menus than ours you know what i mean by that uh, because like you say we are a jackal we are a yeah we, we like to collect and gather from around the world people come to britain they go what is british cuisine and we go i don't really know if I'm well that honest. is because we don't actually really know we're, we're, but well, why is that when we're, so, we're such also, an old nation we are an old nation but we're also incredibly um uh, embracing a new uh, and very rich diverse culturally right. like and we do uh, as much as sometimes it sounds like it in the news that we're not very welcoming there's a lot of people here from lots of different backgrounds over generations now where 
And we're also a food nation of people that have gone beyond. We're Northern European. We're, you know, it's cold most of the time. We wear a jumper, very good at pickling and, and, and stewing and smoking. But actually, we're also really food excitable. Post-war, we really like seeing new food, new food ideas. It's led by British culture in terms of cookery books and television shows and magazines and all that sort of thing. And we like travel. We like going around and seeing places. We're, we're quite, um, I, I, I suppose, we, 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 we're very, kind of inquisitive in terms of world cuisine and what happens and then when we see these nice dishes they come back and they grow and they appear on our menus like I was saying you know we've got a, I don't know, a, a madras gravy with a lamb rump in this book and you just go how that kind of fits a rump of lamb is delicious but actually a madras we bring in those curry style dishes when we're very good at using our own uh, ingredients with seasonal we have four defined seasons but actually then we'll intersperse it with influences from Japan or we might take something from a Mexican style and we just kind of grow with it and so as a nation we're still not very clear about what British cuisine is it's a great answer actually because because hearing you say that out loud we our seasons are like that we're a bit of everything from everywhere aren't we which is why you go to other countries and immediately that you leave our shores things become more extreme gradually at first but eventually quite a lot and you know if you go to Texas then it's all about the barbecue if you go to New York it's all about the steaks so even, like I say, you know, they've only been around for two, three hundred years, those places, but they still have this sort of, yeah, this is what we eat here. Come and join us. This is come, come and have a look at what we do. But we, like you say, we are. I've just, yeah, found, you... I've just I found my steak with the sauce. Yeah, there we go. It's, it's a ribeye steak with brandy mushroom sauce, yeah. not a prawn sauce. Not prawn. I don't know what I, I do need <laughs> more sleep. <laughs> not prawn. It's not been prawns. a bit of a week. Yeah. <laughs> Would it work with a prawn sauce? Yeah. I mean, surf and turf? Surf and yeah, turf. surf and turf. I mean, it could kind of work. Yeah, I, I mean, it. Yes, of course it could. I'll put it in the next book. I'll have a look at what diverse cuisine that comes from and we can put it together. But if you were talking about that, you think of France, and it's a, which is a huge country and it's beautiful, and you think of French cuisine and you go French... But actually, French cuisine is so different. If you think of Provence and down in the south all the way up to Normandy or over into the Alsace region, and it's so different, so it's very varied. We're a much smaller island that mostly the seasons affect all of us, yeah. you know, it's not like we live in the Alps or we live in the Mediterranean, which is that, like, so we, we kind of can grab a bit of everything all over and just make it ours. Yeah. I wish we, I wish we stuck to being a bit more seasonal though. I know that everything is available now from everywhere in the world. And by the way, we are as guilty as that, as any other household with our weekly or monthly shop. I just wish we weren't. Yeah, yeah, no, I get it. But then we we get into we kind of get into ruts, and that's what makes uh, you know cookery books and magazines and television shows quite exciting for people to see because you get into those kind of we all have our own kind of like food repertoire, don't we? That we return to that on a Thursday night it's spaghetti bolognese night, and on a Tuesday we do maybe curry and on a sandwiches when... Sunday tea time. Yeah, there you without go. Without question. Yeah, exactly. So you go through that process actually. So and you know that's what the kids like. So you just always play it safer but every now and then it is nice to go actually well asparagus is in season let's buy that or you know we're, we're coming we're coming right to the end of the summer now where apples and pears are beginning to become that thing with flipping over into that autumn time and that's the magical time for chefs root vegetables start coming through stews and braises and all of that don't use asparagus stop using strawberries fairly soon you know we're coming to the end of that yeah. let's move on let's let's embrace the season yeah we had asparagus last night we have it as long as we can but it was more like cress and it's gone very small now hasn't it <laughs> uh, the best pint and 
by the way, they're all great. But for me, the pie, the, the jump out pie is the cheese, potato and onion pie today. I love this pie, man. It's, it was magical. I could have like, it forever. Uh, yeah. Do you is know it what? melt in your mouth? Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, exactly. It is. It's just mad. Cheese, uh, cheese and potato pies are one of the biggest growing pie flavours that people, because it is moving to, like Vassos, you know, you move from doing, not maybe everybody's gone vegetarian, but people do, do have a lot of like meat-free days or moving to that is packed flavour. The one thing that a lot of people worry about is either how, where am I going to be full up from and where's the flavour going to come from? That's a prime example of that you don't need any meat at all and cheese and uh, cheese and potato pies are one of the biggest things, biggest growing flavours in pies. Yeah, and spinach, on the next page, spinach and three cheese pativier. Yeah, I mean, so, there's a lot of cheese. we got to be honest. I love cheese. Cheese is the flavour. I love cheese. I love... <laughs> cheese is amazing. Um, can I just go to the sponge, the jam sponge? Yeah. The, what's it With called again? With the jam again? sat on the tap. The jam... The jam the steamed sponge pudding. Oh, my God. I could eat that. I literally could eat that forever. But this, the book, this one, this is actually the most desserts we've ever done in a book. There's about 25 desserts here, and they're all, you know, they're all kind of the desserts that you want in a pub: steamed chocolate puddings. They're kind of like crumbles. They're they're um, galettes. Winter fruit strudel with custard. Check that out. Oh, come on. Look at that picture. Yeah. Photography is so important, isn't it? So important. Do you know the beautiful thing, Chris? The, the, the team of people that done it, it's the same people that worked on every book that I've done and that I work with. The, the home, uh, home economist, um, Nicole Hurft, and Christian Barnett, who's the photographer. We've done everything. And you normally get, when you do the books, we've got to give it a particular style and a particular... This one, because we've worked so closely together and with the publisher at Bloomsbury, and every, we've just gone, do you know what, Christian, just take lovely photos. We'll, we'll do you some food. You just take photos that oh. capture the heart and soul of a pub. And well, it's, it's been really so... He's magic. He's a magician with a camera. French toast with boozy coffee syrup. Check that out. Yeah. I mean, check that out. Mm. Check that out. If you win the Euro Millions on Friday, nobody won last night, then hire a chef for the rest of your life. Go through this book, start to finish, and then when you finish, go back to the beginning and do that <laughs> till you die. I tell you what, if you I win the Euro Millions, I'm, I am for hire, just so <laughs> yeah. you know. Okay? Man, can, you, can you imagine that? Can you imagine being able to be, to be well off enough to get Tom to cook for you every day, forever, from his books? Yes, please. Mm. <laughs> Can the, do you know the hot pot that's in here? Yes. How do you do those potatoes on the top? Okay, so you've got to slice them and press them. Is that, that's, do we need a, what's it called? A mandolin. A mandolin. Yeah. They scare yeah. the life out of me, mandolin. Yeah, no, they are scary, but they do come with, they do, they do come with guards that you can put your hand on top. But they are, they are the cause of most injuries in every kitchen. Like, they, there are people with, I used to have, when I, when I was on the garnish section, like when I was a young chef, that particularly when you were doing the chips, right, when you push the potato fruit, I used to have on my hand, like four or five, like scar marks, like I've been attacked by Freddie Kruger yep. on my hand because you just keep going through and it keeps stealing. Yeah, exactly. It was a, and then you just wrap it up with a bit of blue plaster, pretend it's not getting, and just get on with it. You just and if you want to top anything, you know, with potatoes, give it a potato lid. Yeah. What are they called again? Those kind of potatoes. Galette. Galette potatoes. A galette, like on the top. So as thin as you can as thin as not you dare not always as thin as you can because if you do it too thin it dissolves away and goes so you still want you would still want the potato structure. to taste don't you, you know? yeah of course that's the thing you want lovely potatoes to taste a potato so you need to have it enough so that it cooks bearing in mind that most potato is made up 90% of water that actually, as it cooks it'll steam but you've got to cook it enough but yeah so not too thin you could probably you could get away with doing it with a knife you'd be able to do it with a knife right so, and then what do we do next with those particular potatoes do you so, 
do you sorry do you yeah, boil them you put anything? it on top raw and then you've got to brush it with with melted butter so no pre-boil parboil nothing like no that. you could you could do that you could even cook it separately if you wanted and right. then put it on top and then double bake it that would also work but i would say put it on nice and slice it fairly thin two or three layers brush with melted butter a bit like you're doing phyllo pastry right season it bake it in the oven okay check this out guys i know you've both read the book right but I, as you can probably tell i've been studying this book for the that's why i've had no sleep um the cappuccino fondant look at that look at that it's bleeding chocolate isn't it i mean it's just the best it's it? hemorrhaging yes. chocolate is what's yeah. going on with that but if you look at it it's two really things on a plate. yeah of course you can look at it it's oh. two things on a plate and the page of ingredients is one page that's it like the process of it they're just very very simple things that are really easy to make i really want to try that because the thing about i mean i want to try everything in the book but i won't the bottom line is i won't try it everything maybe 10% but I want to give this a go because if you can pull this off if say you get it to 10% of what the picture in the book there's a be a real sense of achievement there and if I do that tonight and the kids come home from school and they go where are these from I go I made them they, they actually won't believe me but I won't care <laughs> I go, well I did but anyway good luck with your lives so, so when you when you cook that Tom right yeah. for the for the book yeah you've got to cook it perfectly and then is it Christian you said the photographer yeah Christian. he's got to capture it yeah just at that moment just because that you point. know yeah so the picture that Vassal's talking about is when you cut it in half there's that, that lovely gooey centre dribbling think we out. all know what the a little bit like so you go so yeah I mean we will cook about five or six of them but we'll get the shot set up and everything and then we go right three two one go and then you put your knife and cut it and then stand back quickly and he takes as many pictures as he can and then you choose at which point it looks best before the chocolate has melted everywhere fish pie very strong oh yeah who doesn't love, love fish, fish pie? pie I mean when you if you've never had one they can weird you out a bit. The idea of a fish pie, a fish sauce, pie pastry. There's no reason for that other than, you know, it's so funny. A friend of mine, um, she was, there was something to do on a plate of offal. What would be really the one thing that people might not want to eat on a plate of offal? <laughs> Kidneys, brain? No, even worse. Liver? Spleen or something. Sp- uh, well, sweetbreads? Sweetbread. Uh, uh, lung? Would you go pan- pancreas? No. Uh, uh, I'm, I mean, I've never tried yeah, it. I, tried it. I mean, if someone's serving pancreas, I mean, as a well, strong, there was something, something on the strong, plate. It's strong. I don't, Sorry, I, I don't know what it was, but it was something. I, I think it might have been that. Anyway, the point is, it's something quite extreme as far as offal goes. Yeah. And she was sitting with her husband, and her husband says, "You know, you've really got to try this." Shit. Well, I'll have it all, but I'm not having which which bit is the let's call it something else, not pancreas. Let's call tripe. it tripe, like the no, I don't know. Stomach Listen, just call it, forgive me. I'm going to call it pancreas. All right. Okay. Right. She says, which bit? It's all chopped up. Which is the pancreas? She said. He said, "Oh, that's the bit. Of, that's the pancreas." And she said, "Okay, I'm going to leave that to us, but I might not have a go at it." She wasn't an awful fan. She became one. So she goes through the plate, she eats all the stuff, and then he says, "You're going to go with the pancreas or not?" She went, "Okay, I will," because she'd enjoyed unexpectedly, surprisingly enjoyed everything so much. So she starts eating the pancreas, and she starts to physically gag. I won't get any further, but it's not. She can't. She has to take it out, and she says, "Well, you know, um, I can't. I can't. I can't get the shit." He said, "The pancreas was the first bit you ate. That's the sweet bread. So it's all in the mind. <laughs> yeah, it's all in the all mind. in the mind." Yeah. yeah, that's what I'm saying about fish pie. Sorry, that yeah. was my fish pie. No, but it is. Me. So much of it is all in the mind. It's your thought of it. Like, it, it, it does put you off. I mean, I've got to be honest, sometimes it is flavour, let's be honest. Like, yeah. But however, when you're attempting things, it is about actually just think of it as protein. Yeah, this is like you. the first time you have an oyster and you get it wrong. 
you know, the, cons- the yeah. consuming of an oyster you cannot get right first time. And you think, hang on a minute, I'm eating this or is it actually eating me? Because <laughs> it feels like, oh my God, it could be eating my mouth. Of course yeah. it's not, but you just panic. Yeah, you do just panic. We, uh, I love the way when I've talked to, a, uh, there's a great chef called Andrew Wong who's a um, two Michelin star Chinese wow. chef and he's he's phenomenal cook. And you talk to him about the, the history and the way that the, the Chinese food is viewed and, and, and the way that they look at it. And, and he says, the problem that we have in this country compared to the Chinese is the way that they look at something and they go, how do we make that edible? Rather than us looking at going, I'm never going to eat that. So it doesn't matter what it is. What do I have to do to this piece of protein or whatever it is to make it taste nice? Where's the seasoning? What's the salt content? How do I make it lovely? What do you do? Rather than us just going straight away going, oh, I'm not eating tripe. Yeah, well, how away. do I make tripe lovely? Yeah, completely. The book is Tom Carriage Pub Kitchen, the ultimate modern British food Bible. It's 10 years of books, but it's the 11th book to celebrate those 10 years. And it's um, uh, 13 years since Tom won the great British menu. See, I can remember things You've now skills, and again. Skills, mate. Um, what have you brought in for us? Because that's all actually all we care about. Chocolate and raspberry brownies from the book. They're oh! cut into little wedges, so there's plenty of them around to go around. However, you can eat them all in a dare if you want. Okay. Right. <laughs> uh, what's going on with you, Tom, at the moment? What else is going on with you? How's your fitness? Give us a bit of Good. Colour. I try to get to the gym, I don't know, five, six times a week. We try and li- we're still trying to lift heavy things off the floor. Uh, a little bit on the bike. Filming some stuff at the minute start filming start filming this week new series of great british menu that will come out in uh the beginning of next year so that's really really exciting and you alluded there to something else some filming something else what leads to something? You said I've started filming soon, or is that something start else? Fil- no, that- start filming Great British Menu oh. this week. That's it. So you haven't yeah, got so- a sneaky side hustle on. No, I haven't got a side hustle. Sadly, not. No, there's the last two episodes <laughs> of uh, the Hidden World of Hospitality that's on BBC. We've done six episodes. Have been shown. There's uh, two more to go, which has been a great film throughout the year of behind the scenes in hospitality, which has been amazing, and celebrating 16 different spaces from wedding venues through to Mission Star little restaurant, all the way up to a fish and chip shop up north. So there's loads of different things that's going on for that uh, good, good man what else opening a pub in Chelsea I forgot that we're opening a pub in Chelsea don't go and tell James Blunt's around the corner it's competition <laughs> not the, not the, he's fine he's doing fine he's booked out all the time whereabouts uh, Tryon Street just off uh, the King's Road so it's uh, you know there's a little pub in Marlow that you come across every now and then you pop in called the Butcher's Tap that one <laughs> we're doing a second one of those in Chelsea it's called the Butcher's Tap it's going to be Butcher's Tap no Chelsea way. yeah Butcher's Tap Chelsea looking wow. forward to it and it is um, you're not taking Jamie are you no, 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 no. The team is staying there. Please. We're getting it. We've got a new team coming in for that. The only, you know, it's like everything that's building work. It's already uh, behind schedule and way over budget. Well, we better go and give them a hand then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going in with me overalls in a minute. Just pay them with these brownies. They'll be fine. Yeah, they'll they'll really set you up their game. These are gorgeous, man. Yay. Thanks, Tom. Thank you ever so much. Thank you. You're nice to see you, mate. Tom Carriage, Pub Kitchen, the ultimate modern British food Bible. It's out now. <laughs> Love music? Love interviews with lovely musicians? Search Virgin Radio UK on YouTube to find brilliant album specials with some of the shiniest lights on our playlist, including George Ezra. This is going to be something I'll remember. And that's a really lovely thing. I don't think I was able to do that in the past. And James Bay. Come on, lady. Don't you agree that everybody needs someone when they feel alone? Watch all that and more at youtube.com slash Virgin Radio UK.